0: Welcome to Dispatches from the Suburban Zoo. We're a group of four women who originally met as part of a book club and decided to podcast to channel our creative energy. Collectively, we are moms to seven boys and five girls from preschooler to teenager. I'm Jessica. I'm a stay-at-home mom to two kids and a ceramic artist. I keep myself grounded by cooking what I grow and spending
1: time in my home pottery studio. I'm Mary, recovering lawyer, aspiring writer, and obsessive furniture rearranger.
2: I'm Jocelyn, a former English teacher, foster parent, and current stay-at-home mom. I'm also working on renovating my mid-century house.
3: And I'm Shayna. I'm an engineer with three sons, two cats, a mom with dementia, and often a foster child all living in my three bedroom home. So last week we were talking
0: about how to make vacations with your family more enjoyable as a mom, but I wanted to take a step back this week to before the vacation happens. So this week we are talking about planning the time that your family spends outside of your normal routine. By that, I mean vacations and days off throughout the year, like Labor Day, Memorial Day, MLK. We'll talk about vacation planning towards the end, but I wanted to start with the one-day holidays. Well, I know those days off are coming, as they do every year, and I know about my kids' school breaks way ahead of time. I still find that they come upon me suddenly, like the day of, and I realize, okay, now what? I just wanted to add here to our listener that most of us don't have family nearby. So it's not like we just head over to the family barbecue. All of my family is a plane ride away. So it's usually the day of or the night before when I realize that, oh shoot, the kids have off from school tomorrow. Now what? I like staying at home and my kids do too, but I also wanna
2: make fun memories with my kids. I wonder what you all do on these days. My family honestly just hates dealing with crowds. So those long weekends like Memorial Day or 4th of July weekend or something, we're actually less likely to want to go anywhere or do anything outside of the house. And maybe in other parts of the country that are just less densely populated, it's a lot less of an issue. But in the Bay Area, places like the beach are just a nightmare on those weekends to me. My family does not like doing things like going to fireworks on 4th of July, because there's too many people. So those are the weekends. We're just more likely to stay at home and maybe like grill at home or go out for frozen yogurt or something like that is our fun thing, because I just don't want to battle the crowds. Jocelyn, that reminds me of one
1: time my family and I decided to drive down to the beach, which is like 30, 45 minutes from our house on Memorial day, because we had, like you said, just planned nothing. We drove all the way down. Our kids were screaming the whole way. Then we circled around for like an hour looking just for parking, whereupon our children fell asleep and we've never found parking. And we just drove all the way back home, oh, <laughs> a quiet car ride back <laughs> home. And they woke up and they were like, where's the beach?
2: <laughs> oh, it was too crowded. There's- like you said, I think that's one of the bonuses of COVID though. Not so much for places like the beach. But like on Mother's Day this year, we made reservations to go to the zoo because we know that it's by reservation only. So it's not going to be crowded. Otherwise, I would never do that on a Sunday afternoon especially on Mother's Day when probably lots of people are trying to do it.
3: I certainly just have had that panic of not realizing, especially if it's a teacher work day and I didn't plan anything for it. Like you say, it's in my calendar. I know it should be there, but I didn't plan it. Those days that where art doesn't have off too, they're pretty easy for me to make special. We usually don't travel during that time. I usually will have like a picnic with friends or getting a milkshake, watching a movie during the day. Uh, with popcorn. And just like Jocelyn, we tend not to travel much on those little holidays, the onesie twosies, because everything is so crowded. We are much more likely to take the kids out of school just for a day or two and go midweek somewhere. One time pre COVID, we drove down to Disney And universal studios, and we would go midweek or go down on a Thursday night, and then the kids could miss school on Friday, we'd have a little bit less crowded day, and then come back on the weekend, come back on Saturday or Sunday. So we're much more likely to do that. But those little teacher work days, we just stay, we stay nearby and do something fun. And one thing I found as our children are getting older, especially our almost 15-year-old, he often makes his own plans. So then we're like, wait, we're not going to do anything as a family. So some of those little onesie days off, everyone kind of has people they want to see or do, and that's fine too. That's actually a good reminder to me where I am with my kids not
1: yet making their own plans to remember, even if when faced with the extra time on those days, sometimes I'm like... Oh, now I have to come up with something to do. There will come a time when the kids will not go along with what I whatever I've planned. Yeah. Yep.
2: My yeah. oldest it has always been kind of a homebody, but he announced to us the other day that we should consider him like a grumpy indoor house cat and he's not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> As we've been talking about planning
1: these vacation and these days off, I'm realizing that this whole mindset is like such a shift from what we are typically expected to do with our kids, which is keep everyone on schedule, make sure no balls are dropped, get the checklist for the baseball glove and the homework and all of that. And then suddenly it's like, there's a day off. Don't forget to be fun and adventurous and whimsical. And it's like, oh, wait, I need to master that skill too. I don't know. I just think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And I know we all also kind of experience that FOMO you get when you check out what some other fun and whimsical parent is doing on social media. Like today is Freaky Friday and we switched clothes or, you know, today we surprise Universal Studios or something like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, like we're doing yard work today, but (laughs) I mean, we can't hold ourselves to those standards. I mean, everyone is just doing what works for them. And there's no rule that says every single day off of school needs to be like a magical wonderland for kids.
3: And what's great is at least as your kids get older and they have input, so I'll say it's your day off tomorrow. What do you guys want to do? Sometimes they'll say, I just want to stay home and get a little extra screen time. Well, you know what, if that's what makes your day off special, fine. I don't have to make sure that we have a picnic and go to this cool place. And sometimes they'll say something that I never even thought of, like, let's go play golf land. And I was like, Oh yeah, we, we could do that. I don't know why that never occurred to me. You know, that sort of pressure comes off as well just to see what do they want to do. And then of course, like Jocelyn said, if you have four people that are eager to leave the house and do something fun and then one curmudgeon, you got to kind of work with that too. But it is easier. I think pressure gets, is less when you let them make the decisions too. Yeah, I
0: definitely feel guilty because my kids love to sleep in, they are night owls. And if they could sleep like half their day away, And then be in pajamas the rest of the day. And I have nothing planned on top of that. I just go through so much guilt that never ends. And then it's like multiple of these like federal
1: holidays like that. So you're right. We shouldn't, we shouldn't put that pressure on ourselves. I do think we should point out that we, so we all live in the San Francisco Bay area where the weather is almost always really nice and where there are endless opportunities within a short drive from our houses to go to the beach, to go hiking, mountains, see all of this stuff. So unlike in other parts of the country where if it's President's Day and the weather is ugly, you can just call it a snow day and be cozy and wintry, I always feel pressure to do something outdoors and active with the kids on those days. So I think for me, sometimes that's where the guilt comes in because uh, when I've lived in other places and we had a day off, I could just say like, we'll eat oatmeal and chili and watch movies. But if it's like 75 and sunny, I, I certainly feel a little bit of guilt about that. Um, when it's like noon and everyone's. Still in pajamas.
0: Definitely. People always talk about going on hikes here. What'd you do this weekend? I went on a hike. Oh, I went on this hike or that hike. And I'm like, I cannot get my kids to go on that long drive for a hike. First of all, my kids both get car sick. So
1: why would they want to go anywhere where they're going to, you know what, on the way? I don't know what it is with this hiking thing. I will I'm <laughs> totally with you. I did not Thank grow you. up hiking, I did not grow <laughs> up camping. And I'm like, are you talking about walking? Like, are you just, we're walking in nature? Like, is that a hike? Because if so, no one in my family is on board for that, at least of all me. And I, I think I feel like I should be, but I just, I don't even know
3: how to get people excited about a walk. Well, clearly Mary, your kids are not into picking up and bringing home sticks, because that's what hikes are for us. You collect the sticks, you put them in the trunk, you bring them home, the gardeners throw them away. That's, that's how it works for us. So it doesn't even have to be long. It could be like a 20 second hike to collect sticks and rocks.
2: But you forgot the part, Shana, where they try to hit each other with the stick. <laughs> I don't Yell-
3: care. Don't hit me. Yeah. Just to answer your question, I, I think I'm just way past guilt. I know when they were little, I would feel really badly if they didn't get their... Number of vegetables, and if they're in their pajamas too long or whatever, but I'm way past that. If they want to stay in their pajamas all day, they want lunch uh, to be a milkshake uh, or whatever it is that's going to make that day special. I'm generally fine with it. I remember when our kids were little and we lived in Chicago, and Lincoln Park Zoo was free. So we'd go all the time, and the kids would want to be in their pajamas. I don't care. Wear your pajamas to the zoo. It's embarrassing you, not me. So There, I've let go of a ton of that sort of, I have to make everything perfect and everybody do the right thing guilt.
0: Okay, so far we've been talking about the sort of one day offs. Now let's talk about going on a vacation. So I love going on a vacation. I'm sure you all do. But I get lost in the weeds here. I get lost at picking where to go and what to do. How do you find places to go? I don't want to reinvent the wheel here. I would just take your successfully planned vacation and repeat it. Like maybe one time I would take Shayna's trip. Great. Done. Everything, the meals, all that. Or next time I'll take Jocelyn's or, you know, Mary's. Tell me your thoughts.
2: Uh, for my family, we have long been a road trip family. For a long time, we just really couldn't afford to fly with five people. So where we were going was based on what's drivable and Because of that, my kids are actually pretty good in the car for long distances out of necessity. Both sets of grandparents live 12 hours away. So my kids definitely have the stamina to stick it out in a car trip. And that's a really great way to narrow down where you're going. Like, how far are you willing to drive? What's within, you know, that three hour, six hour, whatever trip that you want to do.
3: It's so interesting to me, Jess, because I don't I don't think we struggle with this very much. We have a very long list of places that we wanna go and see both with the kids and without them. One thing that's kind of easy for us is we have a few trips that we take every year to family reunions and that's part of our regular yearly planning. So we know that that's gonna be there. But other than that, we just completely choose what we want to do from all these things that we have in our minds. And that changes, like you said, just based on what other people do. We had some friends go a few weeks ago up to Eureka, and now we want to go. So we're going to just go where they went. I would say also, we love camping with other families. It's so much more fun than camping with just the five of us. And I am terrible at planning that. Jess, I need somebody like Jocelyn who's going to make the reservation six months in advance and say, put it on your calendar and we'll go camping that weekend. Otherwise it's like April. And I'm like, oh yeah, we want to do some camping. And there's like no spots left. So that I do need some help with somebody just like slap me in the face and be like, it's January, make some camping plans.
0: Definitely. I would love to have even a some kind of a website that says, oh, here are what's left over. This is where you can go camping now that you're late and you've done nothing.
2: Dana, <laughs> you give me too much credit for booking camping ahead of time because don't forget the time that I booked, <laughs> booked camping sites, and invited your family and Mary's family to come camping. And we got there on a Friday afternoon and we did not have sites. I don't know what happened because I swear <laughs> them but somebody else was already there and it was too late for us. So we just went home.
3: Well, one time out of 20, isn't so bad. So I have to say that was going to be
1: my family's very first camping trip ever. And (laughs) (laughs) I was totally dreading it, even though I was looking forward to spending time with your family. So I feel like we got out of that. Plus we had a fun weenie roast and Uh we had breakfast for like 30 people (laughs) prepared the next day. So I would call that a win.
0: Okay, so how do you pick where to stay? We usually stay at a hotel because I know it will be easy and clean and I know what to
3: expect. I think for us, it depends on how long are we going to stay. If we are staying just one or two nights, a hotel is fine because they usually have a pool. They usually have included breakfast. Maybe they even have a happy hour. But if we're going to stay more than one or two nights, we will generally look at Airbnb or old school v. VRBO. I think often VRBO is cheaper than Airbnb, like their service fees are cheaper, So I just look at both. I definitely, that's how we decide where to stay. I What I love about Travelocity, which I use a fair amount, is often it's free cancellation up until the day before. So when I'm planning, I might book three or four spots in a location and then we'll talk about it. This one has this, but this one has this. This one is closer to this. What do you guys want to do? And I'll just cancel the others. And it's it feels great. Whereas when I cancel an Airbnb, I feel terrible because that's a person and so- I mean, it's, it's a give and take. It really depends on how long our trip is going to be. Yeah. I say for us in terms of like hotel versus Airbnb,
1: we have like a hierarchy. And when we have a like a small child, say under six, almost at the top of the hierarchy is sleep needs and to have a door to separate me from, from that child. So <laughs> we have done like a pack and play in a hotel bathroom, but it doesn't work as well. I mean, we've got four kids. So To put six of us in one room and have a door between us and the toddler, it just feels like too much. So we haven't ever done a hotel, I don't think, after having our third child. So we almost always do Airbnbs uh, or VRBOs, and I love pretending that I have a vacation home. Like I get to that Airbnb and I'm like, this is my pied-a-terre in San Francisco (laughs) or like, this is my country home in Mendocino. Like I pretend that it's mine, but obviously know nothing about the plumbing problems
2: or the HVAC system. You know, Jess, you mentioned that you worry about it being clean. And I do know people who've had bad Airbnb experiences, but honestly, we never have. We've stayed at some places that have been nicer than others or like newer and more polished, but I don't think we've ever stayed at a place where we were like, oh, this is terrible.
0: Is there something that you look for maybe in the pictures or the description? Because when I stay at places, I'm like, does this hotel have a bedspread on the bed? Because I'm not staying there. Does it have like white sheets? Like, nice. Cause to me, that looks clean. Like I know that bedspread is going on the floor, like, and then it's going back on the bed and then it doesn't get washed. It's like, I don't want to touch that. A thousand people have had sex on this. Like, I don't want that.
1: <laughs> That's a great point. I scour the reviews. I will not stay in an unreviewed Airbnb. I almost always
3: stay at ones that
1: specifically mention cleanliness.
3: Mm-hmm. I do I do too. I definitely have can't have not booked a place that I thought was perfect because some of the reviews were bad. And if there's like two or three that have the same complaint, then it's gonna be an issue. And if it's like the hot tub didn't work when I was here, the hot tub didn't work, you know what? I'm not taking a chance. I need that hot tub to work because that's what I'm paying that extra money for. I also don't want to knock hotels like so for us with three kids and they're bigger and now we have my mom with us, we have stayed at some good we always look for suite hotels. So they, the, the last one that we stayed at, we had to take a a trip and it had two bedrooms and a living room with a pullout couch and a little kitchen. And then like you say, just, you know, the brands, you know, the, you know, you're getting the included breakfast. It's got a pool. So I, the only thing I really don't like about hotels is the noise. Okay. I know some of you do some special trips Tell me about those. When our oldest was probably about seven, we stole this from another family. So like you said, just steal stuff from your friends. They did a big celebration trip with their kids. And so now we do with our sons each time they turn 10 and it's with the whole family. And then while we're there, we try to do something special with just the 10 year old. So for example, like when Zachary turned 10, we all went to Alaska. My dad and my stepmom came too. And then we went on a special kayak thing through some glaciers, which we thought was amazing and so cool, but his memory is it was too cold and he was miserable. So I think with that, (laughs) you have to like temper what is interested with the kids. Something that I really love about
1: what you're talking about with these 10 year old trips is that you know it's coming. So you're talking about, of course, saving money, but also your whole family can feel excited for the trip for like years.
2: And it doesn't even have to be as big as that if that doesn't work for your family for whatever reason, but even just doing, you know, something that works for your family, but is aligned with your kid's interests is such a cool way to pick where you're going.
1: I love thinking about trying new places and learning about new places with your kids, but kind of the opposite of that is something I realized recently, which is returning to the same place multiple times with your kids is also a really good way to, have a vacation. Like we recently returned to the exact same Airbnb over spring break that we had gone to a few months earlier. And now our options are really limited these days because of COVID and all of that, but it was still really relaxing and a lot of fun. And the kids kind of knew what to expect. We knew what to bring. The kids were knew what to feel excited for. We got there and just sort of like settled right into the vacation. So you know, we were talking before about the planning, um, and that's a really good way to just cut down on the planning. If you're not someone that is constantly craving new and just sort of wants to relax, then there's nothing wrong with redoing the same vacation.
2: We um, stayed at the same beach house a couple of times in Santa Barbara with my husband's whole extended family because we knew Okay, we've got, you know, 14 people or however many people it was. And this house has the right number of bedrooms and the breakdown of space. It worked really well for us. We're going to go back there. Another way we've focused on how to take trips is that our kids and actually the adults have National Park passports, which you can buy at any National Park visitor center for like $10.
3: Jocelyn, I'm going to interrupt you and make sure that our listeners know that if you have a fourth grader, you can get a free national park pass and it will get your whole family into all the national parks for
2: free. That is a great idea. And we have used those for all of our kids. And they even give the kids like a little commemorative park pass, which we slip inside the envelope inside their national park passport. But anyway, at every national park or national historic monument, you can go to a visitor center and there's just like a free stamp you can get. And some of them are really pretty and fancy and some of them are less so. But that's a really fun way to look up, there's an app to see where are we close to a place where you can get a stamp in your book and you can go visit some fun stuff. And some of them are more typical national parks like Yosemite or something you would think of, but others are things you wouldn't necessarily think of. Like when we went to New York for a family reunion a couple of years ago, my kids were willing to walk miles and miles through the city to get to one place after another to get their stamps, like at places you'd think of like Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty and other places that maybe you wouldn't have known about on your own, like the African National Burial Ground, Federal Hall, Stonewall National Monument. And those were all places that we visited and like watched a video about the place or looked at the museum exhibits, got our stamp and then, you know, walked to the next place.
0: Okay, so let's jump to the lightning round. What is your must-have when traveling and why?
2: I am a delicate little princess about my sleep and I do not sleep well. So if we're driving, I will pack my own pillow, white noise machine, weighted blanket, earplugs. I've got a whole list. If we're flying, I will literally in a carry-on bring like a change of clothes, a pair of pajamas and my own pillow. I will sacrifice taking... So many things if I can bring my own pillow.
3: All right. Well, I have similar, not my own pillow, but I do bring my neck pillow anywhere. It doesn't matter, plane, train, automobile, because it also doubles as a knee pillow. I need a pillow between my knees when I sleep. I have to have earplugs because there is someone in my family who snores and an <laughs> eye mask. So I need like complete sensory deprivation if I am traveling and sleeping. So I will do that. What I have learned more recently is I also pack some of those, some night lights. So everybody, because you 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 never know at a hotel or an Airbnb. And Mm. I want to make sure everyone knows where the bathroom is. So I always have nightlights as well.
1: You guys, we are made for each other. Mine is (laughs) Unisom. I'm going to go a little, I'm going to cut to the chase with your neck pillows and ear masks, (laughs) (laughs) ear masks and eye plugs. No, I'm masks and ear plugs and just knock myself out in any condition. Pop a Unisom and I'm good.
0: I also travel with my pillow, earplugs, eye mask, and I top you up one more. (laughs) I add my night guard. So a friend told me once (laughs) I get all plugged up before I go to sleep. Well, this was fun. Thanks so much, everyone. You've been listening to Dispatches from the Suburban Zoo. You can find us on Twitter at Suburban Zoo and on Instagram at Suburban Zoo Pod. See you next time. And if you like the show, please be sure to subscribe, rate and review and tell a friend.